All right, on today's episode of Chalk Talk, we are gonna talk about something that's top of mind for a lot of coaches and teachers out there, and that is detraining. Um, this is stemmed from a lot of back and forth conversations on Twitter and other places talking about what goes, what doesn't go, you know, what's gonna happen with you know folks out of weight rooms and kind of working out at home. So with all of that, we'll jump into this in a few seconds, but remember, go check out platform.com. That's pltforum.com. We have been partnering with just about over a thousand schools now to get them transitioning to remote learning, distance training, all of those different types of things, and we're here to help. So reach out to us at platform.com. Uh, please feel free to share that with others as well. With that, we are gonna jump into this. This is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right, so uh, as I framed it at the very beginning um, and the intro, there's a lot of talk right now about detraining. Um, and, you know, there's a few different kind of places that are funneling information and talking about the idea that if you don't work out while you're at home, while we're kind of going through this weird time period where there are a lot of people that don't have access to gyms, don't have access to weight rooms and equipment and things that we typically incorporate into some strength and conditioning, that you are going to essentially lose something. Mm -hmm. It could be, some are saying speed is one of the first ones. Power is another one that people are throwing out there a lot in terms of you're gonna lose it. Um, and then obviously there's others that kind of go lower and lower. So I think it's a, a good topic to, to chat about um, given the current state. So why don't you jump in and just kind of frame the conversation like we typically do on this podcast, but you know, obviously just keeping in mind that you know, this is, is certainly something everybody's thinking about and talking about. Yeah, no, I was really interested because uh, you know, with the, the new circumstance that we're all thrown into, uh, obviously coaches specifically are super interested in making sure that uh, you know, we, we basically don't just lose everything we've gained as teams, as individuals, mm -hmm. And also making sure that, you know, come day one of spring sports, should they start or a summer season should starts or, you know, even next football season, soccer season, whatever, we are ready. Sure. Um, and I think, you know, before we even dive into the rabbit hole of detraining and, you know, where this conversation all started from, I think one thing that I, I kind of will hit on a number of different times here is I am a high school football coach. I am very interested in this topic because I want athletes that are, you know, moving forward, not backward, that are getting ready for my next season, et cetera. I want the best for them athletically. But I think one of the biggest things um, that others have said and that I've kind of been reminded of is let's also remember what we're, what we're dealing with here in general, which is a, a very large circumstance of just high school kids, entire student bodies that are being kept at home and by far and large, the important thing that is necessary right now is to keep kids active and healthy and their maximum one rep max power expression tests and on-field performance from you know the difference between your 95% top speed and 100% speed or whatever the case may be right. is not that important. Yeah. And uh, I think I think that's a great point to lead off with because we've been doing a lot. We're posting daily workout videos and different things like that and trying to put it in the context of like you have all this time at home and we're looking for structure, kids are looking for schedules. Most kids are if they're on a quote unquote break, not going to school every day, are used to being able to go outside, play with their friends, go to the beach 
play basketball, and those things are all taken away too. Um, so it's a really good point in that we're looking for things that we can provide kids with workouts that they can essentially continue staying active. And yeah. that's the first and foremost, and I think that could have been an own, its own podcast topic, especially in terms of the health benefits to staying active mentally, physically, um, and there's tons of stuff out there. We're now kind of, like you said, talking about some of the coaches or people that are saying, like, if we're going to hit spring sports or, mm -hmm. you know, someone gets a little bit of like a brief season for spring sports <laughs> or looking at summer or fall what should we be doing to keep our kind of at that yeah point yeah i, I just think it's it's responsible or we we should be responsible enough to to remind ourselves as coaches that that's the icing on the cake rather than the cake itself yep, so for sure um i do just want to you know highlight that what we're going to talk about now is you know if you are you know truly in, interested in understanding you know what the impact is on the athletic side of things the performance side of yep. things what you can do what you should do what you shouldn't do etc because yeah, i think to that point like there is a large population that we're just going to try to encourage to say get moving get mm -hmm. active get working out and like we've talked about in a lot of the other podcasts, there is a, a good contingent of maybe teams or athletes within those teams that are going to reach out and say, coach, what should I be doing? Or mm -hmm. how should I be thinking about my training so that I don't lose out because they're those studs or anything else like that? Without a teams. doubt. Don't get me wrong. I, I should you know, basically clarify or uh, amend that statement to the with the fact that we are – creating and producing a full-blown athletic performance training program for athletes to do at home. It's just obviously not our first priority. It's yeah. the first priority was get everybody moving. So in any case, uh, let, let's dive into maybe, you know, what, what's going on? What's the conversation out there? Um, you know, basically sports performance coaches uh, on, on social media, Twitter specifically, um, it all arose, this conversation all arose from a post, really, really great strength coach out there um, that retweeted essentially an old um, graphic from a college strength and conditioning uh, account, which is also one of my favorites, that basically just outlined um, the rates of detraining for different physical domains, or rather the residual training effects and how long they last, whether it be aerobic endurance, maximal strength, speed, power, et cetera. And um, I mean, it blew up like wildfire. Uh, essentially, the, the response, not even necessarily the original post by that strength coach, uh, but the response and evolution of where that went is like every high school coach, every strength coach was basically now just perpetuating the, the statement that rightly or wrongly, and we'll talk about it, that all that matters right now in a break from your normal training is keeping up with max speed, max power. Yeah. Because it drops off off a cliff within days and your strength and aerobic capacity can last for weeks into months. Um, and... That, again, that's not necessarily what people were trying to say, but what I think and feel like it's gotten to. Yeah. And it felt a little weird to me and even to the point where, um, you know, not to, you know, beat a, a dead horse, but uh, the people that originally put out that graphic even responded and was like, let's just clarify what we mean is like those things are important, but what's most important is to be active and stay moving because that's really the biggest bang for your buck is making sure that you don't just stop everything entirely. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, but now I looked at all of this, this kind of data that was being shared and um, long story short, what it is, is a table, a uh, table summary of how long 
aerobic endurance, maximal strength, anaerobic endurance, strength endurance, and maximal speed um, stays with you. The gains you've made stays with you after you've stopped training. Yep. And this table comes from one very, very well-respected, uh, extremely, um, very, very good strength coach, uh, Vladimir Surin, who's out of Israel, PhD level, like, you know, really has written the book on a lot of things, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. Um, but what I wanted to kind of dive into is some of these, call it conclusions that are in this table um, that some of you have seen, felt a little off to me based on what I had been taught or learned or even just believed maybe anecdotally over the years. Um, and I wasn't alone because some people were, were commenting and, and asking questions. You know, one, one, one I saw that was, um, you know, kind of made me realize like I'm not alone here was somebody said, this is really useful, but do you have a source? Uh, the residual training effects as listed seems too high for aerobic and much too short for maximal speed. would yeah. love to have some conversation. Fortunately, I never saw a response to that. And that's what kind of per- spurred me into, all right, let's take a look. Where is this data? What is it coming from? And is there other data out there that might say different things that, or have I just been wrong this whole time? Yeah. And I'm going to say this so that I actually remember to do it, but I'll put the chart up on the video yes. so people can see it um, because the numbers are very like they jump out to you right like yes. aerobic and maximal strength which we're looking at is 30 plus days correct based off of what the chart is saying like, that you can go um a month plus without doing any aerobic work and you're gonna not lose to any significant degree you'll lose some i think even what they're saying but you you'll maintain most of it for for that entire period right where speed is like five days yeah and that's where everybody i think started to like kind of sound the alarms and be like yes. what's going on because to your exact point just in your own basic conditioning or, or training like i mean if if it's been 30 days since you've last done any aerobic conditioning and you go to do aerobic conditioning but I don't, I, it My doesn't feel right to me. would argue that that's not necessarily sure. true. Yes. Sure. So, um, with that being said, as you started to go digging into it, um, what did you start to find that, well, as you kind of picked it apart yeah. a little bit? My first, my first order of business was to look at this study, which turned out, I'm surprised I'd never read this one before, but it's not a study. It is a research review with its own conclusions about the research that they cite. And this table is actually one small table that's really just a uh, complementary piece to the discussions about block periodization and how to schedule training throughout a year, mostly for like Olympic athletes, et cetera, um, and how to go from like a linear periodization model to a block periodization model and the benefits of both. Um, And a lot of it's actually very much what we believe in the sense of you should be training multiple modalities at once, et cetera. That's better. You're going to maintain or whatever. And this was really just to show, okay, how long can certain things last after we train? them to make sure that we don't, you know, take too long. And it was the idea of like, if you only do hypertrophy for four weeks and then you spend eight weeks not doing hypertrophy, have you lost all of it? And that's the reason that they have residual training effects. And they, they basically use that as the like, all right, th- we got to keep these in mind. The unique thing was even in that, um, their definition of residual training effects was basically like, there's a lot here that we don't know. Um, this is what we believe. And this is a general guideline to what we think is true. So not only did they hedge a little bit on use this as a a bit of a guideline. Secondarily, I went and I looked at each cited source for each of these elements within the table. And I'd argue that the entire research review is really good. And I think it's super useful for block periodization of 
far be it for me to ever doubt somebody like Asurin. Um, but this particular table and the way it's being taken, I think people need to understand where those conclusions are being drawn from. Some of them, I'd say, are, are weak at best, and they're in no way, shape, or form comprehensive. It's like, okay, aerobic endurance is only lasting this long because of this one study. And if you know anything, or if you've been around the world of this, this research uh, game, one study means a hill of beans. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, most studies are at best a possible indication of maybe something happening. Yeah. Um, and I think what I found is, and I should have summarized this earlier, but I mentioned you off camera. I think the thing I learned most, and it's something I already knew, is you should never take literal, definitive, detailed results from any study, any research, any anything, even any of your own practical experience that says, like, X happened after I did Y, or this is what they said happened. Like, that's a, a fact. Mm-hmm. I think we dive far too... Uh, too deep into details and claim them as fact. And then those facts change like every three months, six months, two years, four years, instead of just saying, we know some basic overarching themes are true and the rest we have to kind of, you know, feel our way through. This is one of those examples of something I think we maybe are taking a little bit too much of a, a, a literal look at and applying factual proof as a conclusion rather than maybe not necessarily being sure. true. So. Sure. I'd say the table that's being shared, um, again, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, oh, I know better and I've seen this. I'd say take it with a grain of salt like we do everything else. And I'd also argue that there's a lot of things that would argue against some of these specifics or at least some of these specifics as they're being taken yeah. by the, the populace at large um, and, and maybe see what else is out there. And we're going to dive into what I found because I went and said, all right, I'm going to try to find everything I can on detraining yep. um, and see what my conclusions are again i think my conclusions are there is no true literal facts that says strength lasts this many days and power lasts this many days and aerobic it's more we can give you kind of an idea of if you don't use it you lose it the longer you've done something the you know the longer it'll take to leave um it depends on the individual and kind of some blanket statements that work uh but the very specific guidelines per se or requirements may be a bit misleading. Okay, fair. So um, I think with that, we can probably start to pick apart each one, if that sounds good, mm-hmm. and kind of like dive into what you yeah. found. So Maybe not pick apart. We'll, we'll just dive in. Yeah. We'll dive in. We'll dive in. So let's go with probably strength first. Yeah, let's uh, do strength. I think that's that's a good way to... Yeah. Um, I think there's an association to, and right, rightly or wrongly, of like, and I think this is an easy one, then people will snap to a certain, like, you're going to lose it because we automatically go, we're not in weight rooms, so we don't have weights, so we can't do different strength training because we're not at, because now we're at home and we're doing body weight stuff yep. and all of that. Like, so let me set it up there because that's what I've seen on Twitter and everything else like that in terms of, like, you know, you can't do all of the things that we typically associate to strength or some of them, so therefore that's going to get. Right. And luckily, strength is one that I'd say we do know at least close to the most about. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit more of the concrete. And it's really what drove the initial discussion because what the basic you know, statement was more or less correct in that your maximum strength, think one rep max, bench, squat, whatever, deadlift, um, that will stick around for quite a while, especially if you put a lot of time into building those things up. Um, we know that two weeks, 
three weeks. Some people say four to six weeks. If you don't touch a barbell and you come back, your loss is essentially insignificant. You won't have lost any actual strength. Um, there's a reason that we do deloads, right? Of two weeks, three weeks. Some people do month-long deloads, and it's all because of the fact that we know, you know, after that period of time, you've actually lost, even if you cease training entirely, you have lost almost nothing from your maximal strength standpoint, and you might actually gain by taking a step back. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, this is one where most of the research is generally um, all in agreement. Um, you know, no loss of strength was noted after cessation of three-week training program. And even only 45% of original strength gain. So, like, if you started at, uh, you know, 100 pounds, you worked your way all the way up to 200. If you literally stopped for an entire year, you'd only lose 45% of your gains, so you'd still be ahead of where you started. Um, and, you know, this is basically seen throughout. We know that, um, you know, your gym strength is basically going to be maintained. We know this, you know, I, I could take a year off of squatting. And if I go try to max out, I'm not going to get far off from where I was before. I'll have some drop off for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but strength, for the most part, is really going to be maintained. Now, I think one kind of mention that you got to make though is strength, maximal one rep max strength is really not all that relevant to on the field athletic performance, which I think is maybe more where this conversation was meant to be trended towards in that you might be able to maintain your max bench, max squat, max deadlift, but your sport-specific power, like you get into a pool and try to sprint for you know 20 seconds, you're going to be nowhere near sure. where you were because of your loss of you know basically repetitive force or strength uh, application. So gotcha. strength, don't worry about it. You're going to be out of the, the gym. Um, you're not going to lift heavy with a barbell. Not a big deal for four weeks, for six weeks. And then even more importantly, you gain it back really, really fast. And doing something as simple as like loaded volume goblet squats, uh, loaded um, push-ups, floor presses, anything you can do will will minimize that decline even more. Right. So, so the, practical application, basically what you're saying is yeah. like to to put it in the context of like a coach or a teacher saying, you know what, if you're super concerned about it or you want to continue those different types of things, like you said, load things up. You mm-hmm. can get creative at home. You don't need a full rack of barbells, weights, and everything else like that to be able right. to like keep at least that baseline with different loaded variations. Right. Yeah. So I think um, basically we can just say, as you said, you know, it's really not that hard to keep your strength gains um, sure. and they're not going to be disappearing overnight. Um, you can do plenty at home to keep what you've gained or as close to it so that when you get back into the gym, your strength is not something that has just suffered completely. Yeah. Uh, you might not see crazy gains during this time, but it's okay, right? That's that's something that we can um, consider a sacrifice sure. for right now. Good. All right. Um, is that good for you in terms of covering strength? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it is very connected to power. As I found, um, I think I even went into this thinking of them as two very separate items. But as we talked about on Power uh, episode, that we they are linked. Sure. Um, and we need to kind of separate out what we mean by power because what I also found was 
back squat, bench press, and max vertical jump don't change. Because if you think about it, what is your max vertical jump more closely associated with? Endurance or like maximal one rep ability? Mm -hmm. It's more like a squat than it is repeated sprints, yep. right? And so while we think of power as like speed, speed endurance um, on a colloquial sense, we're, we're actually more so thinking about power expression via like jumping and even your, your best like 10 meter sprint, 40 meter sprint, that's going to be closer to your strength ability. And as such, those things are also shown to not drop off. Mm -hmm. um, your, uh, they did a study on, I think it was football players. And this one that like, again, it's one study. Don't take this as like, it's literal proof, mm -hmm. but it's worth mentioning when we, we saw people saying that like, you're going to lose your maximum speed and your maximum power overnight. That's not true in the literal sense. If we're talking counter movement jumps, broad jump, uh, vertical jump, even your, your top speed, like your little one rep top speed, those things stick around for quite a while as well for the same reasons. Yeah. Um, so I think power in terms of peak power output you're going to maintain much of that. That's not going to just drop off. And again, you can do a lot of that at home. Plyometrics, right? The strength work that you're, or the modified strength work that you will do. Um, those things are going to keep your true strength power gains, your one rep max testing. It would just be like, you know, we talk about Oli lifts being power related a lot and that's not wrong, right? But would you argue that if you don't do an Oli lift five days later, it's going to drop off a cliff? No. So max speed, max power, anything along those lines, I'd argue are closer to strength in terms of being able to keep your residual training effect for a longer period of time. Now, I think what we'll transition to is my kind of disclaimer to that or my caveat is, as I've said a lot, so I, I don't want to, you know, speak out of both sides of my mouth, are either of those two things truly relevant from a performance standpoint? Probably not necessarily because what is speed if you can't do it repeatedly. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we start talking about strength, endurance, power, endurance, repeated sprint ability, um, cardiovascular, any sort of capacity work that is probably more relevant. And yes, that does get affected far more by detraining yeah. than say your strength or power from a muscular output standpoint. Yeah. And we've talked about that a lot on different podcasts in terms of like almost like your aerobic capacity being that like foundation, base that mm -hmm. base layer in terms of all of those other things that you're looking to be able to continue, mm -hmm. um, being good at and having success within those domains. Like your aerobic is kind of that structure of it all. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to your point, and that's the one that I think everyone looked at on the chart and said like, Oh, don't worry about that one. Right. And now you're kind of saying maybe we should think about that one a little bit more. Yeah. So I would say, um, any element and we'll dive into kind of the call it sprint version and the long, slow distance version of endurance, but call it anaerobic versus aerobic or, or any combination of those things. When you start talking about conditioning, Yes, detraining is very real. And everybody knows that, right? Like if you just stop working out for two, three weeks of any kind, you do it again and you're like, oh, it's a lot harder than I remember yeah. because your cardiovascular system is absolutely regressing very quickly. And 
your aerobic endurance, and this is why I was a little bit miffed at the whole thing, is your aerobic endurance is the driver of all of your anaerobic capacity as well. Mm -hmm. If you don't maintain aerobic endurance, you cannot maintain any of the others. Um, So I think we'll dive into those because, yeah, maybe strength, power, you can hold on to it for a bit longer and you don't actually require all that much work to hold on to the things that you've gained. You can do plyometrics, you can do maximum sprints, speeds, you know, um, and you can hold on to those things pretty, pretty easily in relative terms. But from a conditioning side, aerobic or anaerobic or repeated sprint or whatever you want to you know, label it as, that's something that I think has been misled as mm. to what, what lasts. Um, again, I, this is my opinion based on what I've seen. I'm not saying that this is fact. You should take this with a grain of salt just like you would take what we see on Twitter. Right? Yep. This is just my kind of addition to the discourse or our addition. Um, I think that's important to note that I don't pretend to, to know more than anybody else. Yep. Um, but yeah, let, I mean, let's talk, uh, let's talk aerobic first, I think, uh, to your point, because, um, as we said, there is a complete connection and correlation to, uh, the rest yeah. of everything. If you look at aerobic first. Yeah. And I remember, uh, and, and again, I'll let you debunk if this is a myth or not, or I'm just going to throw it out there because it's what, I always heard growing up, it was like, you always saw those like three days, three weeks, three months stats. It's like, you can lose your conditioning in three days. It takes you three weeks to get back. I don't know if you ever saw that, but that Mm -hmm. was the one that was always linked around, especially come summertime when you were about to go on vacation. And Mm -hmm. it was like, hey, don't forget, do this. So um, where is that all in this? It's not way off. Yeah. Um, Again, my opinion based on what I'm reading in Again, I'm pulling from a lot of different places, but there are a lot of very reputable sources, research, coaches, experience that would say that aerobic fitness has gets the short end of the stick, and yeah. you lose that faster than anything else. And it is true. I've seen one. One was the for three days. You not only hold on to it, but you actually might improve because you've completely recovered. That's the idea of recovery and supercompensation in general, right? So maybe three days off from any sort of conditioning, you come back the fourth day and you might feel better than ever before and hit all, you know, be be better than ever before. The moment you go beyond those three days, things start to decline. And I I'm not saying this word uh, myself. I saw the word rapidly in like a dozen different places, Mm -hmm. dozen different people, dozen different studies, you drop off rapidly. And the reason why, um, mostly for metabolic reasons initially. So after like those three days of not doing anything, you will actually lose the ability to store glycogen, uh, utilize energy substrates, et cetera, very, very quickly. And so in the first few days, beyond those three days, maybe buffer period of not doing anything, quote unquote, cardio, whether you consider aerobic only or anaerobic, your ability to do anything, whether it be run for distance or uh, run for, you know, high intensity repeated bouts is going to drop very, very significant. Um, you know, American College of Sports Medicine says even after two weeks of training, your cardio fitness just drops significantly. Um, according to elite track uh, coaches, the 
days three through five, your muscles lose the elasticity and aerobic uh, capabilities drop 5% by your fifth day off. Your body's ability to use oxygen VO2 max drops by 10% in the next two days. Um, so you are literally pumping less blood with each heartbeat. Um, by day 14, your maximum heart rate and cardio output, um, cardiac output decline by 15%. And in three weeks, your VO2 max has dropped 20%. Any drop, drop 20% in anything is a lot. And that's in three weeks of yeah. not doing any sort of cardio um, work whatsoever. Um, short term, anything four weeks or less, maximum, maximum oxygen uptake, blood volume, maximum, uh, maximum cardiac output, and endurance in highly trained athletes decreases were significant, high. If you're not doing something regularly for aerobic, either submaximal or maximal and repeated, you are going to lose that ability very quickly. Um, and that's where I was very confused to see one very reputable place say, you know what, you can hold on for five, six weeks with no aerobic endurance work. Um, and that's where I, I, I don't, I don't know if maybe what they were trying to say is with minimal work, you can maintain these for longer, but that's not the way most people have interpreted it and spread it. So my summary result was aerobic endurance. Your basic cardio ability is something that after five days of not doing anything starts declining and it yeah. declines fast. Um, your ability to do submaximal aerobic, like literal aerobic endurance. Um, and this is from, um, actual just, uh, where is it? Da, 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 da. Uh, I wish I had it at hand, but in the book written for just aer endurance athletes training, there's a whole chapter on detraining and their statement was, Within a week to two weeks to three weeks, your ability to do submaximal exercise is just it, it drops dramatically. Yeah. And actually, after those three weeks, then it kind of stays. It doesn't drop too much farther, but you're you lose most of it right at the beginning. Okay. Uh, which is again conventional wisdom, as you said for a long time. Said in three weeks, you've lost a lot, and it takes a lot to gain it. Right. So. I don't think saying that aerobic endurance is in any way, shape, or form unimportant right now is really the best thing we should do, even from just a performance standpoint, let alone my whole argument that I think the idea that we don't really care about your cardiovascular health, there's a reason everybody says you should be doing 30 minutes of some sort of cardio work every day for your life. Right, just for health purposes. Um, so sure. I think that's, that's super important. Yep. Um, if you will... Um, I, I didn't want to forget this. We talked about this before. I think the most significant thing I saw was a couple of PhD uh, doctors in exercise science that said they, they weren't even talking about detraining for the sake of detraining. They were talking about injury prevention. And they were saying that it declines so rapidly that it is a very big consideration for the prevention of injury because fatigue is the biggest indicator of potential injury. And if you have kids that have lost all ability for submaximal or maximal exercise in terms of conditioning, right? When they return, when they return to play, they're at drastically higher, um, odds for having an injury occur on the field. And I think that's super important. So saying maximal speed is great. We don't want to lose our speed gains. 
But what I care about most is not whether or not you're a 4.6 or a 4.5, is are you going to stay healthy and can you complete a practice, a game, et cetera. Sure. Um, so I think aerobic is probably wildly understated. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good summary of it all too in terms of just thinking like let's be mindful of all of the other things when we actually do come back. Like like you said, if you can't make it through a practice because the fatigue sets in and you get hurt or you start to feel banged up, all those other things – Yep. And, and I will, let me, let me be, you know, the, the complete transparency. There are studies, handfuls that will say two weeks off, nothing changes. Yep. You're better at everything. Um, again, those are like, one of them was, it was like 11 rugby players that took two week break during vacation or during Christmas break. And they came back and they were better across the board and everything. There was one that said VO2 max doesn't drop at all in two weeks of not doing anything. But then you also have to understand that VO2 max is in no way, shape or form actually indicative to your ability to actually apply aerobic endurance. Yeah. Right. Like you, the, the winners of the Boston Marathon and the top VO2 maxes of the people entering the Boston Marathon are in no way, shape, or form connected. Mm-hmm. You actually have to run the race, which is the whole idea of making sure you understand that, like, saying in a study, VO2 max drops this or this drops that, not necessarily as accurate as we know if you take three weeks off of doing anything cardio and you come back and try to do a two-hour practice, you are no way, shape, or form ready for it. Yeah, for sure. Good. All right, awesome. And that's a good kind of... Uh, coverage of one of the ones we really wanted to talk about in terms of aerobic um what do we kind of have left to kind of clean up loose ends before we we start to summarize well i think because of aerobic endurance being in decline right away and aerobic being absolutely intermingled and intertwined and overlapped with anaerobic endurance even high high intensity anaerobic endurance your ability to do anything repeated sprint again anything conditioning is going to drop dramatically as well so maybe your one rep max 40 for lack of a better uh, definition might not suffer a lot but to kind of you know bolster the the thing that most people are talking about is make sure you're sprinting regularly is making sure you're you're conditioning regularly yeah um so your repeated sprint ability tempo runs high intensity sprints, um, you know, work to rest ratio, all of that work that you're going to do from a conditioning standpoint, whether it's speed conditioning, whether it's aerobic conditioning, whether it's some mix of the two, somewhere in the middle, glycolytic, uh, endurance training, those things. Yes. Those are affected very quickly as well. So I do want to separate what I'm saying is no, you're not just going to be able to go run, you know, 30 shuttles with a certain amount of rest at your top speed uh, without having trained for four weeks. Um, that's not what I'm saying, but maybe your max speed, your max jump power, your max, you know, big time speed, top speed, power, et cetera, won't change as much as your ability to do that well. So gotcha. yes, those things are wildly important. You should get out and run high intensity and do it repeatedly and making sure you're staying in shape. But it is kind of the divide between call it capacity and peak power output. Sure. Gotcha. Great. Um, and then from there, um, because of all of those different things between aerobic and aerobic, um, we, you kind of touched on it in terms of different things, in, but I don't know if you want to maybe make mention to like the speed and agility. Does that make sense to add in or? Yeah, I think speed and agility is kind of the same along the lines of, um, you know, 
call it peak power versus uh, conditioning, your ability to accelerate and decelerate is going to be more connected to your peak power output, your maximum strength, right? We know that, right? The eccentric strength and concentric strength is more your ability to decelerate and accelerate. So speed and agility, again, this is where I found is the only places that it is talked about, they say that that doesn't really drop fast, doesn't disappear. Yeah. Um, should you work it? Yeah. If you if you're gonna work, you know, performance training at home, like those are things you should work. But I also don't want to fear monger and say that if you're not doing, you know, speed and agility every day right now, next season is in jeopardy. Um, so speed and agility, I think, sticks around a little bit longer um, than most people would say. Um, I think. There are other things like flexibility, muscle mass, hypertrophy that people are also worried about, but conditioning, keep on top of, strength and power, don't worry about as much, but if you can train them, even better. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to dive into like muscle mass. That's something also people, I think specifically football coaches probably ask about. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one too. And I think it, we've obviously in, in previous podcasts um, separated. Mm -hmm things that people associate to muscle mass to some of that like strength power things like that where we've kind of talked about similarities and differences but probably worth just noting that briefly yeah. um because like you said there are coaches thinking like i want to get to next season where i want to be and, and we've talked about it i remember the quote almost probably verbatim in terms of like if all you focus on is you know, muscle mass and getting big, you're going to lose all the other things. And if all you focus on is the opposite, Hey, we got to get quicker. All our focus is speed. You're going to lose it. So I think with that in mind, the way that you framed it in previous podcasts, it's probably worth just kind of making mention to sure. it. Sure. Yeah. And hypertrophy is important. We all care about it to some degree or another. Um, Basically, the conclusion is that uh, muscle mass is not going to be affected for two, three, maybe even four weeks. That being said, you might actually look and feel smaller, but that's not the muscles haven't changed in size at all. It's actually how much um, glycogen and water you're storing in the muscles, and that will come back immediately the moment you work out again, yeah. which is why I think, I, I don't know if anybody else has experienced this, but like, if I don't work out for a week, I feel smaller when I look at myself in the mirror, and that probably is an actual real phenomenon because be, without training, those stores have decreased because they're not, muscles are like, well, I don't need to be ready for action, so I'm not going to store all this stuff. So they actually shrink in size because of what else is happening. But the muscle is not changing in size. Yeah. It will atrophy over time after that month period. Um, again, the unique thing is you can actually get it back very quickly. We know that too, right? We've all been there. It's like, oh, man, I've worked out forever. But you get back in pretty quick, and you build that muscle back pretty fast. And you can also maintain it pretty easily as well, okay. just like we said with strength. Great. So I think probably that's a good debriefing of a lot of the different ones that you've looked into, mm -hmm. a lot of the different ones that we've talked about, probably worth now just summarizing um, kind of the practical application of a coach or teacher um, thinking about all of this. Mm -hmm. It could be a football coach, it could be a coach that I <laughs> talked about earlier, thinking about hopefully their spring sports might come back for sure. a couple weeks and them being ready, their athletes being ready, whoever it might be that we're thinking about. What's kind of like the the – best way to put it in plain English to a kid, to an athlete, and, or even a coach to say like, hey, it's going to be okay, but think about these things. Yeah. Um, I think we know some blanket statements are true. Um, the first is 
Detraining is real. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? That's the, the reason that the general adaptation syndrome um, exists in the both positive and negative sense. Your body will adapt to whatever you're asking it to do. So if you don't ever do strength, you will lose strength. If you don't ever do speed, you will lose speed. If you don't ever do conditioning, you will lose conditioning. The rates at which those things decline are a little different. Um, I think what we want to think about is less uh, I should focus on power or I should focus on strength or I should focus on conditioning or I should focus on X, Y, and Z because I have a window and I'm worried about detraining is like we do in every other aspect of our training, at least personally, everything matters to some degree to an athlete when they show up day one, day 14, day 100 of their season. So making sure that all of those things are continually worked so that we don't show up with big holes in our fitness. If all you think about is power and maximum speed and you show up to um, the first day of lacrosse season this spring, if it happens, and you cannot handle two hours of movement, you're at greater risk of injury. So uh, making sure that you do focus on all the things like cardio is important, speed's important, strength's important, however you can do it, hypertrophy is important, however you can do it. Um, and then I think also important to note is that the longer you've worked on something, the longer it will last. So don't freak out, right? If you've put in three years of work, the next four weeks isn't going to tank you. Um, the quote is soon ripe, soon rotten. If all you did was three weeks of strength building up until this point, and now you're off, you're going to lose it very quickly. Sure. Um, and now, weirdly enough, I've seen both arguments made, but most people say the longer you've worked at something, so if you've put three years in, you're gonna lose, it's gonna take a lot longer for you to lose what you've gained than mm -hmm. somebody that's only been training for three months. Yep. So, you know, don't worry that these four weeks have ruined everything you've ever done. Um, but the flip side of that is if you just started training, you might be taking some steps backwards. So doing what you can to keep that from happening is obviously important at home. Um, and then my personal summary for people that are worried about rates of detraining and what to focus on, I think you'll hold on to a max anything, one rep max squat, max jump, max speed. That I think will you'll see less decline over time from a relative standpoint than you will sustained anything. Sustained sprinting, sustained running, sustained ability, power output, strength output, strength endurance. Um, you know, your one rep max squat might stay up, but your 20 rep max squat will probably drop. Yeah. Um, which is great because that's the stuff you can actually do at home. Uh, you can do loaded squats for 20 reps sure. at a, a moderate to lightweight. You can do uh, repeated sprints. You can do conditioning work. Um, so you can do all the things that I think we're most worried about. Um, that being said, I think, again, I want to make very, very clear that by no means what I'm saying is the facts. Um, and I found data and research and opinion that is all over the map. Mm -hmm. So I would say don't take one opinion and say that this person said I don't have to worry about this, so I won't. This person said, I do have to worry about this, so that's all I'm gonna worry about. Like we do in everything, take a balanced approach. What you can control, control it. Do everything you can do, and yeah. do it regularly. And I think the important point too, just going back to who we're talking about, the situation that we're in, all of those different types of things like mm -hmm. we talked about at the very beginning is, you know, if you're saying, you gotta go do this, because this is gonna be the first to go, or you gotta be 
uber concerned about this one or that one. Like, and that's just something that an athlete is sitting there being like, I can only do so much of that because of my circumstance where I am. If I have a backyard, if I have this or that, like, I think there is a lot of value saying like, let's focus on the entire pie because like the more you can kind of take out from all of those different pieces, the probably larger audience you're going to keep engaged. That being your athletes that you're looking to stay training. Well, yeah. And honestly, with all the uncertainty, I think less, um, kind of specific plans of action are better because we have no idea. This could be one week. It could be three months. And, you know, saying that, okay, I know what the end result of this is going to be. So I'm going to plan accordingly. And I'm only going to focus on X, Y, and Z means you have missed out on the potential for any other outcomes to give you an example of just my personal belief, you know, take it, take it or leave it. When this all happened for my football athletes, I'm just talking about football athletes. I said, okay, here's the deal. We got in a unique situation. My first priority of business is making sure that when you guys are at home, you're active. We've done a lot of training of different kinds from strength and power and this, that, and the other. We've done GPP weeks. We've done transition programs. We're all over the map with where kids are at. All I care about this week and next week, stay moving. Do 30 minutes of these at-home body weight fitness. There's nothing wrong with just overall basic GPP fitness. That's 80% of the puzzle anyway. I just want to make sure we're doing that. Okay. Now I'm finding out that this is going to last longer. I also have now time to build out something more, call it complete for athletic purposes. And so after two weeks of just making sure kids are moving, staying active, um, I am now building programs that they can do at home that are strength to some degree, hypertrophy to some degree with what they're available. You know, the, the 20 reps squats with goblet squats, the, um, you know, hand release push-ups, anything that gets rid of the stretch shortening cycle to make it more, um, you know, concentric or eccentric focused, um, isometrics, all those things to maintain as much strength as possible, muscle mass as possible. We're also twice a week or every day or however you want to look at it very much going to do power. We're definitely going to do plyometrics, speed, sprints with uh, high rest, making sure we are pushing the envelope so that we are maximizing our time off. Um, I'm also going to do aerobic endurance twice a week, anaerobic endurance twice a week uh, in some way, shape, or form so that we've hit all of those things. Yep. And you can do them at home. And I think my goal is that in four weeks, if they go play lacrosse, they're ready. Yeah. In four weeks, if spring sports are canceled, they're ready to go train another four weeks at home or four weeks with us in the gym. Or if it's all the way through August, I have kids that are ready to play their next sport in total. Because I don't know what's going to happen, and I think training it all, training it all regularly, consistently, um, is probably the best possible approach that uh, we can take. For sure. Um, and I think that's a good place to stop, good place to wrap up. Just a reminder to everybody out there who's listening that a lot of these resources that Coach Brez is talking about giving his own athletes and other folks is also available at Platform um, for our coaches and teachers that have gotten set up over the last few weeks or have been using it for a few years. You know, you know that we're we're here to help in any way possible. And so go to platform.com. That's pltforum.com. Reach out to us. We're always happy to chat. And like Coach Brez said, with all of this, it's kind of taking it with a grain of salt, right? Like there's a lot of things that we're still trying to figure out day by day, week by week. We don't necessarily know what's next, but I think the best thing we can do is kind of continually provide mm-hmm. kids those options and a place where they can just stay active. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to to wrap on this particular topic, I think what's worth doing uh, this time, and this is a reminder for us, um, we'll add 
so that you can peruse and make your own uh, informed decisions. I will add all of the sources that I used in my personal mm-hmm. search, and we just we'll just use footnote them right in the uh, post that we put on sure. our blog, yep. just so that you can go look and see that I'm not just spouting nonsense. And also, if you like, I look at this, I read it a different way. I'm going to come up with my own conclusion. I think that's that's totally fine too. For sure. So those will get posted out. That's in the blog post that comes with each one of these podcasts, so you can be sure to look at those. Remember, at Platform, it's always in pursuit of better.